Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 127. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have James Klingerman. James is a third-degree black belt under Anibal Braga. He spends the vast majority of his time teaching at two different schools in Indiana, Endurance BJJ in Zionsville and Indiana Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy in Greenwood. James also owns and operates the Fight Hub, which is one of the internet's top resource for online instruction in BJJ. He also has his own instructional videos with BJJ Fanatics. So James, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, had the opportunity to connect in 2019 with the Origin Camp. And so that's when we make first connection, pretty cool. And we, we are recording this in July of 2021. How was the COVID situation in Indiana for you? Uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. We actually, I think we ended up closing our academies for like 10 weeks, um, completely okay. shut down. Now we had, we had guys kind of sneaking in training like every day, but, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it was kind of crazy because uh, we set up here in my basement Uh, just like a little 10 by 10 mat area. And I actually taught twice a day, uh, like four to five days a week, just from my, from my basement. So, uh, you know, we opened it up to obviously any of our students, any of the people on our affiliate, but we had people from all over the world getting on. I know we had like some people from Cuba and England and like uh, a couple, a couple other different countries, like on, uh, on a, on a pretty regular basis. Um, So that was kind of cool. I get to, we got to share a little more, I guess, because of the shutdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, right on. All right, so let's start from the beginning. You're the beginning with martial arts, then eventually Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So, how did the martial arts show up in your life? Oh man, uh, so I started in karate. You know, I think a lot of a lot of kids started in karate. You know, and it was um, it was literally just like my dad dragging me into the nearest karate dojo to to start something because um, I always had an interest in martial arts. You know, but I just never, never really had the, uh, like the gumption to go out and do it. Like probably today I would be, uh, classified with like social anxiety disorder or something along those lines. Um, I just kind of have like this almost paralyzing anxiety. <laughs> and, you know, when I was a kid, it was just like, Oh, he's a shy kid. He doesn't like doing things. But, you know, once, uh, once I started kind of understanding the concept of it, I was like, Oh, wow, that's, uh, that's probably what was wrong with me. And, uh, you know, still is like, I still have anxiety problems, but, but, um, yeah, like, uh, did karate for a little bit and, you know, it just, it was karate. It wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do necessarily. It wasn't, it wasn't real combat, I guess. And, uh, you know, from there kind of, kind of dabbled in other martial arts here and there. Um, and then found a, a judo, uh, Japanese jujitsu school and, uh, finally evolved into uh, Brazilian jujitsu when we had a, uh, Brazilian jujitsu blue belt under Hoist and Horion Gracie moved to Indiana. So. Right on. Let me expand. Uh, well, you expand a little bit. You mentioned about anxiety, uh, something that I, I had my struggle, especially with social anxiety too. Growing up, had my my difficulties. 
do you, you did you feel that jujitsu helped you along the way with growing up or just getting older with social anxiety did uh, did it help in any way what do you think uh yeah most definitely um you know just the ability to be able to go out there and, and kind of get in a room full of people and um you know perform sometimes teach uh but just interact with like multiple different people all at once you know from all different kinds of backgrounds and um yeah uh, I, I would say definitely you know and, and then once i started competing and stuff uh obviously like you have to you have to get past a lot of that anxiety and just to mm -hmm. just to go out and you know perform when uh when it kind of counts yeah no kidding so when did you start so what year did you start jiu-jitsu I uh, started uh, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in 1997, so like I'm at right at 24 years. It was uh, early, uh, I was actually late June, like early July. Right on. And when do you feel that start to really, you start spending a lot more time in your life and said, you know what, I think this is leading to something that I'm going to be doing for a long time, possibly make a living. It's something you start planning, something that just organically start happening. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, um, I was committed to it right off the bat. Like I loved it. It's, it's all I wanted to do all the time. Um, as far as making a living off of it, it just kind of organically happened. Um, yeah, I never really never had the desire to teach. Like I wanted to be a competitor, um, early on, I wanted to fight MMA, you know, so I was, I was training you know, Muay Thai and boxing and all the things, but, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as like teaching goes just naturally, like, like I said, in karate, it was part of us teaching, when I was doing the, the judo and the Japanese jiu-jitsu, like I was, um, uh, I was asked to teach classes and stuff. Like if the instructor was away, um, so it was kind of, I enjoyed kind of getting in and sharing things, especially in the uh, the Japanese jiu-jitsu because I would just teach Brazilian jiu-jitsu. <laughs> like I'd go, okay, let's let's do some shrimping and let's do a basic armbar, you know. Uh, so that was kind of cool. I liked. I like sharing my knowledge and, and, and watching people's eyes, you know, the kind of eyes light up and the light bulb goes off and like, Oh man, that's really neat. Um, and then, yeah, just opening the Academy, it kind of, um, so one of my coaches, uh, once, so I started with a guy named Greg Eldred, right. He was under the Hoist and Horion Academy. Okay. And then, uh, late in 99, I switched over, uh, to, uh, a guy named Mario Roberto, um, who was under Anibal Braga. And uh, so Mario still lived in Brazil, but he had these two purple belts, which at that time, purple belts were like, oh my God, yeah, <laughs> you know, there's no purple belts anywhere. Um, but uh, so we started training just in their garage and then um, it was a father and son and uh, the dad, Eric, he opened a school, like an actual, like legit, like rented a space and kind of started as a business and I was the assistant. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was in kind of, kind of took on more of an instructor role at that point. And then later, later that year, uh, my wife, AJ, just, I don't even know what she was doing. She was out shopping or something and just kind of ran into a couple of Taekwondo schools while she was out and was like, Hey, do you want a jujitsu program? And, you know, one of them was like, yeah, we, we actually would like that a lot. And so she went in and or had me go in and meet with the guy. And I started teaching a couple of times a week there and then it just grew and grew and grew. So how was the scene back then in the late, uh, well, late 90s in the Midwest? Yeah, uh, there was nobody knew what jujitsu was uh, <laughs> really in the Midwest because we've got a pretty good like wrestling scene. Uh -huh. um, now I never wrestled, but what you got was a lot of the guys that wrestled and they would be like, oh, that jujitsu stuff doesn't work. 
and I just keep my elbows in. I just punch them, you know, and uh, sometimes that works, you know, because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're fighting white and blue belts. Right. But uh, yeah, it was, there was a lot of MMA back then. And it was a lot of the, these like underground shows where like nobody knew how to find them and stuff. There was no internet, you know? And so there was like, there wasn't a, a way to really find these things. It was all word of mouth and you show up and some of them are in a parking lot. Some of them are in just like an abandoned warehouse. And yeah. um, some of them were, you know, they were more organized than that, but, but, but most weren't. Um, so yeah, I mean, the jujitsu scene was, was very, very tiny. Like we ended up having, I think one, one tournament in Indiana uh, started in like maybe 98 and it was just in the guy's taekwondo school he was mm-hmm. a jiu-jitsu blue belt and it literally he would run run one match at a time and it would just go all day long you know yeah and what about uh for you when did you get involved to comp- when did you compete for the first time oh man so i started uh in brazilian jiu-jitsu in like june and i think my first tournament was probably august uh, i started oh. i started competing right away um again and it was in a guy's like his little tiny jujitsu school in the middle of a shooting range you know the the mat space was probably like 12 by 12 it was the smallest little area um but yeah i mean like two of my training partners went up and it ended up being like three of us and nine of that guy's students uh-huh. it was like 12 people showed up the you know the whole tournament um but yeah i did that and then uh so in 97 uh, horion started the gracie nationals uh, for the affiliates out in california and uh i believe that was like september october sometime um and so i flew out there and competed in that as well right on so how long did it take you to start getting more involved so looking for tournaments since there's nothing much going on there so what was your first experience in a, a let's say like a bigger event not an in-house tournament yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the national tournaments were, were pretty big. I mean, you know, that was, mm-hmm. and I know some of the Machado schools compete as well. So I'm not sure how okay, close gotcha. that was, but I mean, there were, you know, hundreds and hundreds of competitors. They, they oh, ran nice. like 10 to 12 mats. It was a big event. Um, so I, I did that 97, 98, 99. Um, yeah. And then really, man, I just, I would compete pretty much anywhere in the Midwest. I didn't travel a lot for a long time. Um, I think my first like IBJJF tournament was 2000 and it was 2009. I know it was Nogi Pants 2009 um, because it was before we had to have uh, the black belt certifications. And uh, mm-hmm. later on when, when I was trying to get certified, they, they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't recognize my, my degrees. And they said, you know, I wasn't in the system. And uh, so luckily I had competed in 2009. So I was at least in, in the system there. So Technically, IBJJF has taken two years off my black belt, <laughs> as far as that goes. Yeah, I know but, a few uh, people that um, had some issues with this, too, with IBJJF. Yeah. yeah, I don't know exactly what triggers this whole thing, but I know uh, friends of mine, too, that um, went through the same issue for for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, so what do you think, so how do you feel about competing nowadays? Of course, the motivation back then completely different, right? So how do you inspire your students to try out, not to be a high level competitor, just like, Hey man, should just give it a try. So how do you feel about tournaments nowadays? Yeah. So I I love tournaments. I I honestly believe that anybody that does jujitsu should compete. Um, not, not to be a world champion, right? Like there's, there's a very, very select few of those. 
but everybody should get out there and compete no matter, no matter why you do jujitsu. You know, if, uh, if you do jujitsu for, for fun, for a social activity, like go out, have fun, hang out with your friends, meet new people, coach them, you know, have them coach you support each other. If you're doing it for health, well, you will, you will focus on your, your diet. You'll focus on your exercise. You'll focus on your physical preparation more so, uh, leading up to a tournament than, than you will just normally, you know, it's kind of, it kind of gives you a little, uh, little, uh, variable there, um, to, to focus on. Uh, if, if it's for self-defense, there's, there's nothing closer to self-defense than going out there and having that adrenal dump and having somebody that's legitimately full resistant. Yeah. Yeah. Full resisting. And they yeah. want to beat you with everything they have. Like it is their 100% goal that they're going to win that match, you know? Um, so it's kind of that halfway point. Um, but yeah, so I tell them all to go compete and, you know, competition is, is scary. It's nerve wracking, you know, it increases our anxiety and everything. And uh, I just, I, I tell them, look, I, there's two things you can control. You can go out and you can do your best. You know, sometimes you fight somebody that's just way better than you and you're not going to beat them, but do your best jujitsu. And then we can go back and we can troubleshoot. If, if you legitimately went out and you did what you know, and you did it to the best of your ability, when you come back to class, we can troubleshoot and figure out what, what went wrong, what went, what went right. And you know, that's how you improve. Right. Um, so you, you can go out and you can do your best and then have fun, you know? Um, and I, I always tell our, our guys, like, look, a lot of people want to compete and they can't, you know, they're not able to, they, they don't have the money. They don't have the means. So you know, you, you've got that privilege, like take advantage of that. And ultimately, if you have fun, it's going to be a good experience. If you don't have fun, it's going to be a bad experience. You know, uh, uh, IBJJF actually just brought a tournament to Indianapolis, first one ever uh, a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I, soon, as soon as it opened, I signed up, gi, no gi, uh, competed. I did the open weights and, you know, I had had some anxiety. Like I was, <laughs> there was points where my knees were shaking and I was like, you know, starting to get that, like, I don't want to be here <laughs> type mm -hmm. deal. And I, I legitimately just, I forced myself to smile, you know, like I was like, man, I, I'm close to home <laughs> competing in yeah. a major event, like in front of my students and stuff. And, and, you know, I, I'm going to go out here and do my best jujitsu. And I, I smiled and a couple of guys were like, uh, man, it was kind of creepy. You smiling like that, <laughs> smiling at your okay. opponents. I was like, dude, I was having fun, having a good time, you know? Um, I ended up with seven matches over the weekend. Like it was crazy. I haven't, wow. I haven't had that many matches in, in probably 15, 16 years, you know? So got, it was a good event. Got a lot of experience out of it. Um, my, my team overall took second place, gi and no gi. Right on. The week. So we, we did really well. Yeah. I had a lot of, a lot of people go out and have fun and do their best and it's a great weekend. So a few things that you mentioned here, uh, one is talking to students about you can't control the outcome, right? Um, as as simple as it sounds, uh, that's something that I struggle for the big part of my competition career. That brings a lot of the anxiety, the fear of the unknown. Am I going to win? Am I going to lose? And that brings a lot of anxiety. And I just had to learn over the years, just understand that for anyone that is listening, you're playing and competing and you start kind of getting like so, you know, uh, putting so much focus on the outcome and just rem remember that you can't control the outcome, but all you can do is really influence the outcome in a certain way. How? Yeah. 
preparing the best way possible, doing what you need to do, and hopefully transferring what you trained and performing. And sometimes I guarantee that you, anyone who's listening right now, if you have a decent experience in competing, there's days that you had like, man, I had a great day and I lost. Or a day that are like, dude, I competed really bad today and I won. You know, so yeah. this this <laughs> will happen. So I started to over the years to start focusing more on performing, finding a way to like, man, let me see if I can do what I do at the school there. And if you can, again, you have better. It doesn't mean that it guarantee you. It doesn't guarantee you anything, but at least you have better odds of achieving the the outcome that you want, which is be be your best version at the tournament. And like I said, you know, there's there are times that uh that I have a loss that I was like, dude, I did really well. Did you leave? You're like, wow, that, that was a war. It's sometimes it's not like you did anything wrong. Like you did great, but guess what? Your opponent did great as well. Maybe could it be a decision? It sometimes could it be the whole match you dominated and made one tiny mistake that you guys know how it is in jiu-jitsu, the snowball effect start happening and then boom, maybe you, you get caught or something right uh, also about dealing with the anxiety and everything and that's the part that i i try to talk with the students the most as far as inspiring people to compete is the emotional growth that you have from jiu-jitsu so i have i always mention to, to people i talk with some of uh friends of mine a uh, few weeks ago i had an interview with todd fox and I was mentioned to him, and that's the same thing with you. So we've been doing this for 24 years. Um, you don't have to compete, right? To have the benefits of jujitsu. You don't have to compete. You're still gonna get in better shape. You're still gonna uh, have the, the, you know, the growth, the emotional growth of feeling comfortable, uncomfortable situations, all those things that jujitsu brings to you. Now, the difference is that when you compete, that gets amplified in a way. So everything that you're going through now is like time stamp, like, whoa, this is a lot more intense. Someone in a side amount at the school in your side amount is like, okay, all right, I'll find my way back. And now in a tournament, like, oh, crap. And I'm so now there's a lot more involved. And if you look back in 24 years of your life, imagine like 24 years the way you lived your, your martial arts journey in 24 years without never even attempting to go to a tournament. Again, you'd be a confident person, you'd be in great shape, but I guarantee you that your emotional growth in jiu-jitsu would not be the same. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Definitely, I agree. Yeah, and this is that's something that I try to inspire people to compete to that as more of a, as a personal development tool knowing that no matter what, you're going to have to deal with your emotions, be able to perform. And in life, you need to perform. You need to have a presentation. And sometimes people have a, a hard time with public speaking to present a new project in your company or, or whatever. And then sometimes people will have a hard time performing or they, they blank. And I was like the same thing, go to a tournament and you're like, I don't know what happened. I just blanked and, and got nervous and the same thing happened in people having meetings and they need to do a big presentation and now they're like ooh, 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 ended up not um you know presenting of the way they want to so i feel that it's a great drill for life of dealing with your emotions of like hey stay 
calm down. No one's going to choke you. You know, you're good. You know, able to perform. And I think that's one of the uh, looking back and I guarantee you've heard this so many times from students or people sometimes sharing a little piece of like confidence developing and a thing like that in a work environment situation. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, of like, you know, standing up and then kind of saying something, not in a way being defense, but just kind of presenting your point of view that sometimes you'd be like, oh, I don't know, should I say, uh, I'm not sure. And even those things, I, I feel that little by little, it just gets you to, you know, get out of your shell more. And, and that's part, especially when you mentioned about the social anxiety and how it helps you with that. Do you have other students that have shared with you about that, the anxiety aspect of it, of training and how jujitsu help? Oh yeah. I mean, and, and I think it goes like, I, I can't give a, a specific example right now, mm -hmm. but just, just, just small things like just being in traffic, almost getting an accident, you know, uh, or you, you mentioned it, like speaking at work, like people are like, man, you know, I, I come in here and I go out in a tournament and somebody's trying to choke me or they're trying to break my arm. And you know, <laughs> what, what my, what my coworker thinks about my presentation is, is nothing like that. You know, that stress isn't there anywhere near as much. Um, but yeah, I, I think you hear that time after time, after time, people are just like, man, like when you get in here and you get to mixing it up and, and the, the, the bad things that could technically happen, the, the, even just the physical pressure of somebody being on you, crushing you, yeah. you know, um, that's a lot worse <laughs> than, than the stuff, you know, our normal everyday stress, work-related stress, stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I've got one guy, he, uh, man, when he started, I did not think this guy was gonna, gonna make it. <laughs> like, mm. he, you, you'd be on him, you'd be in side control and he would like, get off me, get off me, get off me, like instant, like complete total panic attack, right? Like sweating, blacking out, like, and you know, at first it was just like, okay, you know, let's just loosen up. Let's, let's let you work from here. We'll, we'll, I'll take some pressure off. No, no, no. And I mean, there was one day, like one of my coaches was like kind of holding him down and he literally like climbed the fence and was screaming like, get off me, get off me. And, and, you know, he's two or three years in now and man, like his, his level of panic is like next to nothing. We, we sat and talked about the other day and I can't remember. I think he had escaped somebody's mount and actually passed their guard or something. And after class, he was like, man, he goes, that would not have happened a year ago. He's like, I would have just tapped. Um, but it's, it's cool to see people like overcome, you know, like anxiety and, and, and sure. panic attacks and stuff like that. Just, just through that physical pressure, you know, um, I, I think the mind and body are closely related in that aspect. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, and that's just one example, obviously, but yeah, it's just over, over the, our school's been open 21 years and the amount of people that have, that have come and been like, oh man, like, you know, I, this happened to me out, you know, wherever. And I just thought like, man, this is kind of like jujitsu, <laughs> except nobody's trying to break my arm, you know? Yeah. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about the entrepreneurial um, journey. So when did you actually open up a school as far as I rented and then you kind of feel that butterfly like, all right, now it's for real, you know, like I'm responsible for for this building, you know, I'm responsible for this. When, when did it happen? Yeah. So, so we always say that we've been open since uh, March of 2000. So that's when uh, Eric Sullivan opened Indiana mm -hmm. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And then um, I opened my 
branch of it, uh, just in the back of a Taekwondo school. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was, it, it was a little pressure, but, but fortunately the Taekwondo instructor was just like, Hey, I know how it is. Uh, you can just give us like, I don't know, a percentage of, of what you make. So we kept, we kept tally. So it was less stressful. Um, and I got to kind of work my way up, Is that, uh, yeah. but I think, so it was 2003, I believe, uh, when we officially like moved out of the Taekwondo school and we rented a, a space where it was like, you know, bills were in the thousands every month and like mm -hmm. you had to pay it or you get kicked out. And, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty insanely nerve wracking, you know? And so we, we went in, we built everything out, like all the walls and the changing rooms and we painted and we put the mats down and, um, yeah, it was pretty wild. Um, and, uh, you know, we were, we were in that location for a little over five years and we had started out growing it, but it was right around that mark where we were kind of learning how to run a business. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Before it was just like, we do jujitsu, come train <laughs> and <laughs> just crawling into running a business. Right. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Like, and you know, we kind of didn't understand. We're like, why is nobody coming? You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're getting people here and there. And um, you know, we, we just didn't know what we were doing. And then uh, we, we actually just started taking marketing classes. We, we met uh -huh. like a coach um, started doing that and nice. around. So we did well, we moved into another building and then around 2008, uh, which is actually like when we had like our recession or, or whatever, when everything kind of crashed, we actually started doing phenomenally. Like uh, we, you know, we, uh, that year we were able, my wife quit working her regular jobs and started working at the Academy. Um, and then, so 2008, we, we kind of got much more comfortable in actually running, you know, running the Academy as a business and, and kind of understanding, you know, systems and processes and stuff like that. Uh, and then we were always doing other things, you know, like we started uh, the Extreme Grappling Open uh, in 2004. So we, we run a, a fairly good sized gi and no gi tournament. We had like super divisions and all this stuff. Um, we ran that from 2004 until 2019, I guess. So we didn't, we didn't do one this year or last. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, how was, especially there's as uh, everyone know, maybe some people are listening to the podcast for the first time, but it's dedicated to entrepreneurs, people have jujitsu in their lives and so forth. So a tough moment in any of the entrepreneur's life is that like that basically taking that leap, like, okay, I'm actually signing a lease and stuff like that. So, and that's a, it's a point that a lot of people kind of hold back and that's when the anxiety really kicks in the fear of the unknown like is this the, the right time should i do it how was your mindset back then when you're like about to make that decision of opening how was that man it was uh <laughs> it was terrible like uh you know it, it, it was something we had to do right like uh -huh. there really wasn't another choice mm -hmm. um so we did it, <laughs> but you know, and, and back then, like, it was like, we were skating by, like we, we didn't have a lot of money, you know? Um, uh, I let's see, what was it? 2000. Yeah. Like I really wasn't, wasn't working much at the time. Um, sorry. I was trying to, trying to get all my dates, right? Yeah. So like it was, it was pretty much my full-time job was, was teaching jujitsu. I didn't have another job. My wife was okay. working a couple other jobs and uh, you know, signing this giant lease where we really didn't have any extra income. It was like, well, 
and we, we moved far enough away from the Taekwondo school we were teaching in that almost, you know, a very small portion of our students actually were, were able to, to follow. Um, but, you know, it was just like, Hey, we just kind of had the mindset of like this, this big building on this big road with all these people, like, we'll just, we'll have a sign and, and it'll be awesome. And a hundred people will walk in on day one. You know? <laughs> so that, that took a little of the anxiety. <laughs> out, but, um, uh, needless to say that did not happen, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it's, it's like buying a house, right? Like, there's like 30 pieces of, you know, 30 signatures needed and you're committing to this giant 30 year mortgage. And, um, but yeah, so, you know, the lease is like five years. And like I said, it was, it was more money than we made. Um, and we were just like, Hey, we got to take this leap. If we're going to do it, we have to do it. You know, and it's, it's like throwing a flying arm bar at the end of the match when you're <laughs> down on points. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Like, oh. I hear you. So, so- one of the things that I like to ask is about struggles along the way of the journey. You already mentioned one that is kind of marketing related in a way, because you're like, man, how do you get the word out? How, how we do that? So you mentioned about having that shift when you started to actually taking classes and going after information. What is another struggle that you feel that you, you went through and, and basically, or, what did you learn from the situation? How did you overcome? So besides marketing and everything, there's building, there's staff, there's so many different right, yeah. things that can, can happen. But what are some of the difficulties that you went through? Man, I'll tell you one of the, one of the big ones that probably a lot of people don't think about nowadays is, you know, when early, early on, you know, a couple of decades ago, there were no jujitsu black belts. Like, I mean, there were, but not, not in our parts, right. Not, yeah, not yeah. around here. And so like being a blue belt, opening a gym, I hear you. everybody yeah. was like, what, what is happening? Like people that come from Taekwondo and the karate and like all these other martial arts were like, you can get a black belt in two years. They didn't understand like, well, why aren't you a black belt? And it's like, well, man, it takes like 10, 15 years <laughs> to get a black belt. Um, I'm like, well, I've been training for like, you know, four or whatever. And even, even at Brown belt level, like people would just be like, but you're not a black belt. You're not a black belt. Mm-hmm. And I got that all the time. And, you know, it was like, well, feed, feed me a black belt. <laughs> give me, <laughs> give me one of your other black belts and we'll, uh, we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, it was just kind of trying to educate people on why, why there wasn't that black belt around my waist, you know? And, and then oddly enough, when I got my black belt, nobody, nobody, <laughs> nobody thought that it was some great, big, amazing accomplishment. They just thought like, oh yeah, it goes on. Belt, yeah. You're supposed to be, you're yeah. supposed to be a black belt. You're running a gym. Right. And you know, the people in the know, they were, you know, the, everybody really thought it was awesome, but just your average person walking in off the street to sign up for classes, they, they didn't really care. You know, they, they, they assume that the, the owner the head instructor is a black belt. Um, so I, I think that was one of the big challenges for, for years, you know, I got my black belt in 2007. So, you know, there was like seven years of running a gym where people were questioning, like, why, why is this, this lower ranked guy running a gym? And, um, you know, they just, they just weren't educated on, on it. Uh, now, you know, there's like, I think I have 16 black belts under me, you know, so it's, uh, it's, it's a definitely a different, uh, different age. Cool. Now, uh, let's talk about, we talk a little bit about struggle uh, from a business standpoint. Now, I want to talk a little bit about and the person, the personal uh, struggle. And so I know that you had um, an, an unusual 
situation that in that you got shot years ago. So if you can expand on like what exactly what happened, how did actually maybe everything that you learned from jujitsu like help you through the recovery and dealing with this whole situation. So if you can share with us. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know how deep you want to go into the story, but uh, very basically, I was I was a blue belt. I was leaving my apartment one night and um, sitting at a stoplight. And this guy uh, in the passenger seat of a car pulled up next to me. So the car pulled up, guy in the passenger seat um, started, you know, cussing at me and flipped me off and just, just being, a, he was drunk and high and just being belligerent. And um, I didn't really pay any attention to him at all. And then uh, after a while, like he, he ended up pulling the gun and he, he shot me. So I got shot right, right in my left cheek, um, kind of like it knocked me over like it broke my seatbelt retractor you know and uh yeah like <clears throat> so um but yeah anyway i ended up driving away uh, i was in the hospital and stuff but we uh, so i'm blind in my left eye i've got some hearing loss in my left ear uh, i've got two steel plates in my right cheekbone uh just to reconstruct the cheekbone and everything um but yeah i mean i mean like even right how off long the did bat, it take like, how long did it take the the recovery maybe like so the whole thing so hospital wise, I think I was in the hospital for three days. Um, not even, not even a full three. Um, but, uh, man, recovery wise, like I was off the mat. So when I say off the mats, I was actually at the grand opening. So this was before the Indiana Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu even opened. Um, I was, I was on the mat two weeks later. So I got shot February 20th in 2000 and the school opened March 3rd in 2000. Uh, but I wasn't training. I wasn't rolling. I wasn't in a gi or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then throughout the next couple of months, I, I would come in and just kind of move around a little bit. Uh, but I think it was about six months before I was really able to roll and get choked. Um, that, that was a, a big problem because I had a, um, like scarring on the back of my eye and like uh, they had closed a hole and they had reattached my retina and some stuff like that. And Did so I ever find a personal? Yeah, he actually, uh, he was caught that night. So he's still in jail. Um, he ended up getting sentenced to 54 years with no parole. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, so he was not a very kind human being. Wow. Um, he already had, you know, issues in the past, you know. Yeah, like- a, a couple. Um, but yeah, he. Uh, that is it, insane, man. You know, it was, it was one of those things where it was so um, just completely <sighs> random and like unprovoked that the, the, the judge gave him almost the maximum. Uh, he was looking at 58 years and the judge gave him 54. Um, whereas I, I actually, I sat in on a, uh, just go off on a little <laughs> side note. I sat in on the sentencing before him and it was another guy who had, you know, long lit, uh, like had the same four charges plus 10 others, but it was like, you know, the, the, the guy he had shot was also a scumbag <laughs> And he was facing like 114 years or something. And the judge, the judge sentenced him to like four years with parole. Like he got almost nothing. Wow. And, uh, you know, my, my initial thought was like, oh my God, my guy's going to be out in six months. And then, hmm. uh, yeah, after everything, he was just like, Hey, like you, you're a scumbag. <laughs> Man. Yeah. So how was for you emotionally dealing with that? Cause in your, in your mind, you're going to be like, you're going to have through, I don't know, I imagine just go through different moments of like anger and 
depression or whatever like how was emotional to deal with that or be like dude why me you know what i mean like i'm here minding my own business you know so how was i cannot even imagine man what you went through emotionally through the the whole process oh yeah i'm sure i'm sure i hit every single emotion <laughs> to, to the extreme dude. you know um you know de de definitely anger and sadness and and you know like all, all the things and sitting around going oh man if i only left a minute later you know and or a minute earlier even uh just had i not ran into that light and uh yeah i mean it was i mean obviously super emotional i didn't know if i'd ever do jujitsu again i didn't i didn't know if i'd ever be able to see again um early on i didn't know if i'd be able to hear again like part of my face was numb i didn't know if that would ever that sensation would ever come back um, you know, it was just, it was, everything was a big question right off the bat. I just, it was unknown and, and the doctors didn't know, right? Like when I was in the hospital, like the doctor was just like, oh, you'll never see again. And then the next day I got a little bit of light, you know, and I was like, Hey, I can see, and I got kind of excited. And, yeah. and they were like, oh, you know, and I'll tell you my, my eye doctor, that guy was, he was he did not have great bedside manner. Um, he was very just like, oh, you'll never see again. And then like one day, he came in, he's like, yeah, you might get, you might get all your vision back. And then the next, he's like, nope, I was wrong. You'll never see again. <laughs> just, but it was just like, man, his bedside, every single time his bedside manner was just terrible. And I had to see the guy for a while because I had multiple eye surgeries. Right. And even, uh, even going to like sentencing, you know, he was, he was questioned. Uh, you know, he gave a deposition to the, uh, to the attorneys and stuff. And, and, you know, they're like, Hey, you know, we're trying to, you know, make, <laughs> make this guy look horrible, um, you know, and get him jail time. Cause he shot James. And they're like, so we, you know, we're assuming that this kind of injury is very painful. And he's like, well, I don't think he was in a lot of pain. <laughs> you know? and just <laughs> the weirdest, most random stuff. And, and like, uh, I, I remember the, the, uh, the uh, attorney, she was even like, I want him to get shot in the head and see how painful it is. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, it was just, it, it was, it was always a roller coaster. Like, and I kept having these weird things happen. Like the, uh, the muscles on the side of my head contracted and it locked my jaw shut and I wasn't able to eat right. And, um, I got down, like I walk around now at about 170, 175 and I got down to 150 pounds. Um, I'm fairly <laughs> small framed. Um, so 20, 20 pounds lighter is, is, I look, I look crazy. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, my jaw locked shut and they were talking about removing bones out of my face and cutting muscles and like all this crazy stuff. And yeah, it was just, it was just this crazy, you know, roller coaster of like, Oh no, you can do jujitsu. Oh, you can't do jujitsu. Oh, you can see, Oh, you're not going to be able to see. Oh, we're, we have to cut your face open. Oh, we're how okay. long, how long do you, do you think that it took for you to be like, okay, now like things are going uh, well, as far as like recover everything. Yeah. You, you know, so like right off the bat, I was like, I was glad to be alive. Right. Yeah, like okay. I, 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 I yeah. took that as, uh, you know, <laughs> my, my four, foremost important thing, like, like I'm alive. Uh, whatever else happens from here is, is, is what it is. Right. Um, as far as the jujitsu stuff goes, like that six month mark, when I was able to actually go compete, I, I felt confident that I was going to be able to continue jujitsu for a while, you know? Um, I had, I had issues for, for a while after that, even, even up to like maybe a year, year and a half where, um, you know, like my, my eye would hurt or my ear would hurt. I still like, you know, we're 20, 21 years in and 
I have ear infections all the time, you know, like just, just constantly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it just, you know, I, I, I think that six month, the 12 month mark, I was pretty confident that, that all was well. And, um, you know, I even, I even took a, took an MMA fight like 11 months later. Well, three MMA fights, technically I did like an eight man tournament. I was like, I'm going to go out, I'm going <laughs> to get some fights in and, and retire. And, um, you know, so I, I, I fought, uh, and even then though, I, I remember like not being in, in the greatest health, but, but that gave me something to really kind of push me and go, okay, like we got to start training. I got to kick up the cardio. I got to spar more. I got, you know, so I, I trained really, really hard for that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I had my physical limitations. Um, a lot of it was just cause I had probably not eaten well <laughs> in six months, eight months or whatever it was, you know, and my weight was so, so far down. And, um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I would say probably within that, like one year, maybe 18 month mark, I, I was, I was starting to like, really feel like myself again, you know, feel mm-hmm. a little, I guess a little stronger, a little, you know little more like I was able to, to do whatever I wanted without, without too much fear of, of, uh, like a recurring injury or something. I don't know. Okay. Now let's get back to the business real quick. So you mentioned that you had those, uh, the struggles, uh, the one as far as like, okay, now we'll open the school and people are not coming. So start taking, um, marketing classes. I feel like in business, we go through different periods of like, you know, little, boost of like confidence or growth in a business so this was one of them when was another notable one that in like okay now we we got a little momentum something else helps the school to grow a little more what was if there was that moment what exactly happened what kind of adjustments did you make um or it's just time uh, knowledge that you acquired what was it that helped you like okay one more little upgrade yeah. So I don't know if it's anything specific, you know, I'm, I'm real big on just, uh, just continued education, right? Like always improving, whether that's with jujitsu, whether it's with marketing, um, it, it doesn't really matter. Like I, I enjoy learning. I like, I like taking things to the next step. So, you know, we're always trying new little things here, new little things there, you know, making tweaks to website, making tweaks to like flyers and, and, uh, the way we, the way we bring people in, um, so what I would say, probably one of the biggest adjustments we made was uh, hiring uh, intro coaches, right? So when somebody, really when, somebody um, when somebody comes in, uh, so that we schedule their first meeting and they meet with a, a, a coach that that's like his job. He brings them in, he gives them a tour. He's the guy that answers all their questions. He goes through a little class with them. He gives them the, the uh, rules of the academy. He does this very specific class is meant to show them some, some basic fundamentals of jujitsu kind of, and it's sales process here, right? We're showing yeah. them things We're we're leading them into like wanting to be there and telling everybody how great the place is. And, you know, it's, it's very, it's yeah. very scripted, but, but it's also very educational for them. And then that way they they have a kind of a, a lessened anxiety about entering that group class where like, <clears throat> you know, uh, I actually had, I had a one, I, I did this intro with a girl on, uh, actually it was yesterday and she came into the class and I heard her discussing with, uh, with one of the guys she was working with. And she goes, you know, she goes, I went to another school and they literally threw me in and this guy leg locked me, <laughs> but, and she didn't even know how to tap. 
Mm. Right. They, they never even taught her what a submission was. And then the guy like heel hooked her or something ridiculous. Um, and, you know, as much as a lot of us like to believe stuff like that doesn't happen at our gym, I think, I think it happens more than we realize. Like you just kind of assume when somebody comes to a jujitsu, they understand what a submission is and how, how they have to tap. And, and sometimes they just don't, they, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that was a big thing. Um, and, and right now I've got a, a fantastic guy. He's, he, he actually, he does a lot more than, than just the intros, but, uh, so he, he leads them through, through the, the, the one-on-one or two-on-one, you know, sometimes we have to double yeah. up just because of time. Um, but, but they get a full tour. They, they get the rules, they understand positions and what a submission is and tapping and basic gym etiquette and like, you know, let go when someone taps <laughs> Yeah, and tap when you need to, you know, those type of things and, and what's acceptable and what's not. And then he also teaches, uh, we have a, uh, we've got a eight class. So it's basically a four week rotating, very, very fundamental curriculum. It's like three things from guard, three guard passes, three things from mount, three mount escapes, three things from rear mount, three rear mount escapes, you know? Um, and so he, he teaches that class. And so it kind of, it's kind of this funnel that we've created where he's their guy, they meet day one. And then he kind of is the guy that they hang out with that first month. And then they can move on into our, our foundation class and, and, you know, work with more, more higher ranks and, you know, higher rank coaches and stuff like that. Um, so that was a really big jump we made. Um, I guess more recently, it's, it's been a year or two now, but um, we, we, we've had the intro coaches for a while, but them kind of funneling into that, that separate group intro okay. class was one of the newer things we've, we've implemented. Yeah, dude, this is uh, definitely a game changer. Have here in Arizona, we did the same, have someone responsible uh, for that, you know, for the intro and so forth. And one thing that Maybe some um, some people are listening right now would be let's say you do have if, if you're listening right now you do have a jujitsu school, so and sometimes it depends what level where you where you at right now in your journey as far as most of the schools start with assistant when you do when you do let's say you do have an assistant coach you start as a trade oh, okay you 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 help out you know with the class and then you. You don't pay because you can't afford someone, right? And but little by little, there's so much this is gonna take you, of someone just covering like, hey, can you yeah. teach him real quick here? Like, in the beginning of the journey, it is what it is. You know, like, not always gonna have helpers in the beginning. I understand that, but at some point, you need to make that leap of, you know what? Uh, even whatever you want to do, you can have a salary. You can do by. Uh, or use a commission or both, whatever. But you need to have at some point, this needs needs to happen. It can't be just a favor like, hey, bring it in, hey, hey, hey. And that means and this person needs to be available all the time. Because one of the things that I have through, like I went through the, the same stuff, like someone just helping to them to pay, you know, so little by little, you start as the the academy grows, you can start giving more, more responsibilities to the coaches because before I got to a point years ago that was like okay when you do have an appointment and then a person come in you know and then what happened is sometimes last minute someone did just a walk in and then that was I mean if the system was here we could do it so I started to uh, just have the pay the assistant to be there no matter what if there's no one to teach and 
at least there's an extra body in class that's going to help to be an assistant to walk around. You know, if that's the case, if there's nothing, but there's always like something, you know, to help out, um, be a partner for someone or whatever. But yes, this is a absolutely a game changer for people that maybe right now we, you do have a, a assistant coach, but it's not a position that it's paid yet. If you can make the adjustments to get to the person to get on a payroll or, or whatnot is so much better than just it's it it's almost it's not the same but it's the idea too of sometimes uh i used to have like internet people that were just going to do some trade hey you're training and make i just but now it was like forever to get anything that is kind of like a favor in a way sort of you know now i'm like uh and that's why i feel bad i'm like hey dude hey we need that hey hey but now when you get the relationship that okay yeah you're actually part of the crew, part of the team. This is the the responsibilities. So absolutely, it's, um, it's a game changer, right? Yeah, I mean, we've all got people that can help out, right? Like yeah. anybody that's a high level blue or above can help with something. But I'll tell you, people are much more, they do a much better job when they're getting paid. Um, so like, yeah. like with, with our guy, you know, he, he actually, he does he does video editing for me. He does website work. He does a lot of things. So he's got, he's got a, he's got, he wears a lot of hats um, yeah, and, cool. and, and we compensate him for, for all of those, you know? Um, so, and it's something where like, it's like, Oh, you get, you get X amount per intro, but then you're on commission for people who sign up. But then also like, if you sign up X amount of people, there's, there's bonuses involved. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we want to incentivize him to, to, to get the people signed up. We want him to, to get more people signed up. We want him to be out there bringing exactly. people in. And, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of his own separate business. You know, he, he has this business of bringing us students and, and, you know, and then our business is giving them a fantastic jujitsu product. Um, so yeah, it, and it, it helps, it, it helps so much once, once we really had people in going, all right, here's, here's how you make money doing jujitsu. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that was one of the biggest game changers is just, just having those, those people that, that that's their job, you know, and it, it freed up a lot of my time and it, it, it just made a good, uh, introductory experience, uh, way better for everybody. I think. Okay. What is one of the best pieces of advice that you have received running the business? Maybe the advice could be someone told you, maybe you read something in a book or whatever. What comes to your mind when, when you say this uh, piece of advice that helped you in your entrepreneurial journey? Man, it's it's a little cliche, but like just just make sure you're working more on the business than you are in the business. You know, like I get in the habit of I'm at the gym, I teach class, and then I clean the mats, and then I clean the bathroom, and then I'm I'm doing all these yeah. little things, and I, and I feel like I'm being ultra productive. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, Yes, the toilet needs clean, but it doesn't need me to clean it, right? Yeah. Um, what What would be better than me cleaning the toilet is paying somebody five or ten bucks <laughs> to go clean, and then me going and sitting down and, and writing emails or, or editing more videos or or doing something um, that's going to bring new members, right? So, I think just that was that was one of the big things in the early days where I felt like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all these things yeah. and I'm here, I'm here eight hours a day. And, and, but it was, I was in the like building. busy work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Busy work. Right. Like 
um, a, a good analogy. One of my students actually had, so uh, we went out to dinner. It was like, it was like my wife and I and three of our students and two of the students started dogging on him for hiring a maid. And they're like, man, you pay this lady, come in and clean your house, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, look, man, he goes, I make a hundred dollars an hour. I pay her $25 an hour. Mm-hmm. He goes, so me paying her 25 bucks makes me 75, you know? And I was like, oh, that's, that's good. And he's like, I learned that from you guys. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and the other students, they, they sat and because they, they, they weren't business owners, right? They didn't understand. And they were just like, oh, well, but you know, I think he conveyed that in a way that they understood even, even not. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, but yeah, it, it made sense. It was like, yeah, man, work, work on it, not in it. So not that you want any, anything different in your life, of course, but like, if you look back to the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey and you can, you could have a conversation with the, your younger version what could it be a piece of advice that you could mention to him? Like I said, you know, everything happens the way it happens. Not that you want anything different, but like maybe this type of, we have to live, we have to experience, you know, everything or whatnot, but like looking back and it's more like, we just already mentioned one, which is a big one, but it's maybe a piece of advice or, or some type of mindset for anyone that is starting that entrepreneurial journey to be like, huh, that would probably come handy to me, you know, earlier in your career. Yeah, I, man, I think the big thing is just total immersion, right? Like uh, if you're going to run a business, you should run a business to the best of your ability. And if you don't have the knowledge, then you need to go out and gain it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's, that's books, that's podcasts, that's find a, a real life coach, you know, um, but yeah, you know, just, just make some investments in, in your own, your own business education. Um, and, and there's, there's plenty of books out there. There's, there's free sources, you know, there, there's plenty of stuff on YouTube and there's, there's podcasts that can guide you along. Um, but yeah, just, just total immersion into, uh, that business mindset. Um, and, and I think that's really like, it, it, it's funny because like competitive wise, like I was great all throughout Brown. And then I got my black and I haven't, I haven't competed as well at black belt. And so you can look at that two ways. You can go, well, now you're fighting black belts and (laughs) the competition's way better. Right. And and that's absolutely true. But also right around that time is when I really started focusing on my business. Right. It's like, if, if the business doesn't exist, I can't do jujitsu anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, The business doesn't exist. I don't have a car. (laughs) I don't have a place to live. So I, I, I turned the focus away from my personal jujitsu and onto learning about the business, right? Um, and, and it made leaps and bounds and it probably helped a little bit that I was now a black belt and people walked yeah. in and they saw that belt around my waist. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was just total immersion. Like all I did all day long was listen to, listen to, you know, DVDs and, and read books and, you know, read these emails and these newsletters. And, and I just, just immerse myself in that and, and tried to follow along and, and, you know, actually like implemented the things, right? Like money's attracted to speed. You know, if I, you can read all the things, you can know all the things, but if you're not implementing, if you're not doing, yeah. then, Executing, then yeah. it goes nowhere. Yeah. Um, so as far as you mentioned about books, is there any book that comes to your mind that made a big impact on you? It could it be personal development? Could it be business? But when you think about a book that at some point made an impact on you, 
which one comes to your mind? Yeah. So honestly, man, any of like the, uh, the Dan Kennedy books, um, Oh shoot. The first one I read really, really pulled me in and I can't even think of what it was. It was, a uh, uh, no BS guide to, Oh, good Lord. Dan, Dan Kennedy's got so many no BS guides to different things, right? He's got like, uh, social media marketing and all these, uh, uh, uh I, I think it was wealth attraction. Actually, if I remember right, I think it was the no BS guide to wealth attraction and just, uh, just kind of looking at, um, the, the different mindset that it takes to, to make money. Um, it, it's, it, it follows a lot, a lot along the lines of like, um, Robert Kiyosaki's like rich dad, poor dad, except mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's way more in depth and it, and it doesn't look at the, uh, the real estate quite as much. It looks more as like you as an entrepreneur. So that would be my, my highest recommendation. Like if you're going to pick up a book and, and read it, like that, that's cool. probably my all time favorite. Uh, maybe because it's the first one I read and it's the first one that really like, Kind of in the beginning, I like, yeah. In the beginning, most of the books that I made in a pack to me, it was kind of like in the process of getting involved and learning. I think right. it's just like boom, like oh wow, you know. And then little by little, we start becoming like pages of books, you know. Like if I get a book and then one page stood out, I mean, my investment's already worth it. something I can really implement. That oh, yeah. page, yeah. yeah. It's like well, going so to it, a seminar and learning exactly. one move. Like got it. <laughs> That's what I tell guys, like, you know, I've been to seminars where we'll go four hours and the guy shows three moves. And I've been to seminars where it's two hours and the guy shows 40 moves. And um, I lean a little more toward like, when I teach, like, hey, I'm going to show, I'm going to show a lot today. But my goal is for you to find one golden nugget that you want, that you want to expand on, right? Um, So yeah, exactly. Uh, If, if one, even if the whole book is garbage, but you learn one little thing that, that, that flips a switch for you, it's totally worth it. Now talk a little bit about the fight hub. Uh, when you started, what is, uh, what is the mission of, of the, the website? Yeah. So the fight hub actually started, um, man, I'm trying to think. So I did a DVD with Chris Lytle. He came to my school and taught a seminar. And I said, what would you, you know, how would you feel about me filming this and maybe turning into a DVD? And he was like, yeah, I think that'd be great. Uh, so we did that. And then I recorded a few, uh, a few of my own seminars and made DVDs out of those. And I was like, I need a place to sell these. And there wasn't really a good, like, you know, there was no BJJ fanatics or any of that stuff. So I started this little website that had like five DVDs on it. And then, um, just talking to a couple of different companies like, uh, like gameness and, uh, ring to cage and rev gear and stuff like that. Uh, we started talking about like drop shipping affiliates and stuff like that. And so, uh, the website's gone through several different, <laughs> you know, different, uh, themes yeah, and yeah. stuff. And, but, uh, you know, I started selling other gear on it. Um, and it's actually being revamped right now, but, yeah, it was really, it really just started as a place. Like I was like, Hey, how can I sell these couple of DVDs? And also like, I don't want to stock a million different products. Yeah. So like my students can get online and order and then just get it shipped to them. Right. Um, now I have a pretty decent pro shop at both of our academies, but, um, but yeah, that's still, it's still kind of a, the, the theory behind it is like, I have like this one stop for like all these different companies. And then my students can get on and look and go, Hey, they can tell me what they want, or they can just order it right there online. Um, 
but, uh, but yeah, we're, it's, it's actually really out of date right now. Um, so we're, we're completely revamping it. It's, it looks amazing. Um, but now, yeah, like we've got streaming products. So I've expanded, like, you know, I've got my own products on there and then we've got like different, different instructors. Uh, so you can buy the physical DVD, you can buy the streaming product. Um, what else do we have? We, uh, we've got a, an affiliate. So like you could start your affiliate and send your students that if you don't have a store, and make 10 to 50% on those sales. Um, we've got a, uh, like a school listing on there. I feel like I'm missing something. It's got a lot, it's got a lot on it. It's, it's a cool, cool site. But like I said, it's actually the, uh, the site itself is very out of date, but hopefully it'll be updated within, I would say by August 1st of this year is the, the goal, the, the new launch date. Um, cool cool so now getting close to the end of the interview so what you got exciting going on um what you got besides you already told one revamping the the website that's cool yeah man so so that and then we've actually got another website coming out so we've for years now we've run uh kind of a a jujitsu curriculum we call it the foundation um and just you know, I, I believe personally that you, you need a strong foundation in order to build, right? Like the, the higher the skyscraper, the deeper the basement. Um, and, and you have to have a good solid foundation in anything you're trying to learn, whether it be self-defense or, or jujitsu or, you know, uh, you know, mechanics, like whatever, you always need a strong foundation. So we've actually, I spent, and we're about a year in uh, filming and I'm finally getting all the filming done. I've got maybe one or two more sessions of filming. Uh, so, uh, uh, bjjfoundation.com or found, what is it? bjj.foundation, uh, should be up. So that'll be a full membership site. And then we've got a couple tiers. So we'll have like free tier, tier one, mm -hmm. tier two, tier three. Um, so hopefully that'll be out by the end of the year. Uh, that's my, my big exciting thing. Um, <laughs> partially cause I've sat down to film it several times and, mm -hmm. and then like, Oh, the guy that I'm filming with moved or <laughs> this guy got a different job. And so, uh, uh, so, so it's, it, it's my, my, my intro class guy, Ryan, he's, <laughs> he's, he's my filming dummy. And then he's actually editing the video and he's doing the website. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's my big exciting thing. And then, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to, to get a few more competitions in. Actually, I think I've got maybe a small tear in my right meniscus. So yeah, we'll so see how that plays. Yeah, I know. It just started this week. So we'll see how that plays out. And Right on. Uh, James, thank you so much, man. I appreciate your time. If people want to find you online, what's the best best way to reach you? Uh, probably like Instagram or Facebook. It's really easy. It's James Klingerman. Klingerman's with a C. Um, but yeah, if, uh, if anybody has questions about anything or, or whatever, they just want to reach out or if you're ever in an Indianapolis area, swing by and see us, but, uh, yeah, don't be afraid to reach out. I, I respond to messages pretty quickly most of the time. Um, but yeah. All right. Thank you so much, guys. If you get, if you have any questions or if you have a guest suggestion, you can always send me Gustavo and on Instagram, Gustavo Dantas, DJJ. And I see you all soon. Bye. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.